0: again, thanks for worshiping God with us this morning. I want to send a shout out to our online viewers who are watching on Facebook. Hello. That's the one who is originally from India, but currently lives in Bahrain up until last week, and just moved to New Zealand, was a part of our churches in Bahrain, and her name is Biddy. She's currently living in Hawks Bay and watching right now, so hello Biddy. You can all say hello Biddy. And after her course in Bay for six weeks, she'll come up to Auckland. And her family will follow at the end of the year. So some of you know she, who she is. But welcome, Biddy. Good to see you online. Well, it's good for you to see us. <laughs> awesome. And my wife just came back from Brisbane. She spent a couple days, she spoke at the Women to Treat over there. And I just gotta say, my wife does so much around the house. Thank you so much. She much. so much in general. So much in general. She's gone on half of the van, and our kids, they stay alive, but it's, it's uh, still alive, you know what it is? So we did had pizza for breakfast. Oh, yeah, yeah. bro. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. venue, bro, that's yeah. venue. That's venue. We stayed up late Friday night watching Jurassic Park. <laughs> <laughs> Broke up early, ate some pizza, gets a plant in the rain, it's like, man, No, but I, I, I really did miss my wife, and she does a tremendous amount for the women's ministry. And, uh, so I love her so much. Good to have you back. Amen. Come on. If you're visiting, we're looking at the book of First Corinthians. We're in chapter eight this morning, and I'd like for you to turn there in your Bibles if you have one. And currently, in, in today's culture, knowledge is supreme. Almost, you can you can watch any variety of. To podcasts. i am always trying to learn about new podcasts, and I put it on a double speed so I can listen to it half, you know, twice as fast, and then when I listen to people talk in real time, I'm like, come on, get on with it, <laughs> <laughs> not really, but sometimes, yeah. <laughs> come on and, and then you can watch anything on YouTube as well, right, you can learn how to do anything, you, you yeah. can gain all this knowledge, I'm sure many of you, you can learn how to do several things via YouTube. And all that's good. I'm not saying that's bad, but you do see how we're pushing. But I, I don't really hear much about how to actually love people who are hard to love. Maybe you do. Maybe that's the podcast of YouTube. I've never like, watched a YouTube video they demonstrate how to love someone that's extremely hard to love. <laughs> no, I think that's not really a big push in our society. So you see this contrast of let's know stuff this contrast play out this morning in 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Let's pray and read our text this morning. God, we are grateful to sit before you and to hear your words, which were written down thousands of years ago, but carry such eternal truth. It's mind-blowing. And we pray that as we hear them, your Spirit really infuses us with the the key to understanding what's, what's meant to be understood, so that we can know you and be known by you. And love more deeply. In Christ's name, we pray. Amen. Amen. So in 1 Corinthians, chapter 8, let's start in verse 1 and read the whole chapter. Now, about food sacrifice to idols. The first seven chapters, Paul has dealt with questions that the church wrote, and he's responding to them. And so they had several. Now he's talking about food, sacrifice to idols. But we know that we all possess knowledge that in quotes, that's the Corinthian viewpoint, their position, that we all possess knowledge. But knowledge warms up, while love builds up. That's the central theme of chapter 8, all the way up until chapter 13, where they'll kind of climax and talk lots about love, and if you have all this but not love, you're nothing. In verse 2, those who think they know something, do not yet know as they ought to know. But whoever loves God is known by God. So then, about eating food sacrificed to idols, we know that, again, close to idol is nothing at all in the world, and that there is no God but one. For even if there are so called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom all things came and from whom we live. And there is the one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through whom we live. You'll see how there's symmetry there. Everything comes from God, everything comes from Jesus. And we live from God and we live through Jesus. So he's connecting these dots here. But in verse 7, but not everyone possesses this knowledge. Some people, there you go, it's back on the screen. Some people are still so accustomed to idols that when they eat sacrificial food, they think of it as having been sacrificed to a god. And since their conscience is weak, it is defiled. But food does not bring us near to God. We are no worse if we do not eat, and no better if we do. Be careful, however, that the exercise of your rights does not become a stumbling block to the weak. For if someone with a weak conscience sees you, with all your knowledge, eating in an idol's temple, won't that person be emboldened to eat what is sacrificed to idols? So this weak brother or sister from Christ's side is destroyed by your knowledge. That's that's strong language of okay? In verse 12, when you sin against them in this way and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. It is a strong statement Paul is making for someone who's really puffed up and insensitive to other people, causing them to sin. Wound is literally translated beat. It's the same word that they used when they beat Jesus on the cross. And so destroy is, is the same word the demons use when they see Jesus and they say, are you coming to destroy us? So when you have this puffed up notion of knowledge and you're insensitive to To brothers and sisters, and you lead them to imitate you and cause them to sin. This verse says, You're wounding them, you're destroying. CBD. That's the market. That's where all the shops are. That's where everybody's going and conducting business. And included in those shops are butcher shops. And so what would happen is these temples are like 150 meters from the CBD, which has all these shops. And so the priest sacrifice the meat. What doesn't get used gets sent to the butcher. And the butcher sells that stuff. Alright, so if you grew up around this, and you're kind of familiar with it, you think, okay, this meat has been sacrificed to an idol, it's sacrificed to a god, that's kind of your mindset, and then all of a sudden you convert to Christianity, and then you start wondering, should I eat this, and when I go to the butcher, should I ask if this meat has been sacrificed to an idol, because if I do, should I eat it, and what, what, what should I do, and so this is the conversation, this is the discussion that's going on because some people in church say, ah, it doesn't really matter. But these people that grew up with this mindset and were accustomed to this said, ah, but, but I think it does. And if, if I eat this, this means I'm participating in idolatry. And, and so this is, this is how this question arose. And so Paul will, will answer this basically by saying knowledge pops up, love builds up. And let's look at those two points this morning, because both of them cause something to increase. Knowledge causes something to increase. It says knowledge puffs up, which is this idea that a balloon is being filled with air, only benefiting the balloon, whereas love builds up, implying that it's, it's, it's a construction that's helping many people. So they both do something to increase in size, but one of them only benefits one, the other benefits everyone. So knowledge pumps up. This this idea, you'll see it, it's not hard to find in chapter 8. The word knowledge occurs at least seven times, or several, rather, several times in this chapter. But over and over throughout the book of Corinthians, you'll see Paul say, you guys have so much knowledge. Chapter 1, verse 5, he says, you guys think you have so much knowledge, and now you have this knowledge, this superior knowledge. There's a certain group for it that claim to have this knowledge, saying, Oh, we know that there's only one God, and we know that there is an idol, so it doesn't matter what kind of food we eat. Come on, come on, Dad. That's kind of yeah. their position. They, they didn't really sound like that, but that's what they thought. <laughs> and here's what's interesting. Because listen to their position. We could eat the meat sold in the marketplace that was used in the idus temple. These are Christian savior. that. That may not sound like a big deal until you realize what's a been discussed in Acts chapter 15. If you know nothing about the Bible, in Acts chapter 15, the apostles and the elders come together to talk about a question about Jews and Gentiles worshipping together. And so they, they decide, it is not, it's hard to see there, but it's my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write to them telling them to abstain from food polluted by idols. So this, this question had already come up in Acts chapter 15. And the, the conclusion was, don't mess with it. Don't mess with food polluted by idols. Acts chapter 15. And that's the apostles and elders coming together. That's their conclusion. That's the, that's the result of their discussion. But somehow this group in Corinth thought, oh, well, I think we're a bit wiser than the apostles and the elders, because if, if we know that there's only one God, it's okay to eat this food polluted by idols. That, that's, kind of a, that's kind of a super knowledge position that this group has. And Paul says, No, what you think you know, you don't get known at verse two. But what really matters is what? Does God know you? That's what it says in verse 3. Whoever loves God is known by God. You think you know something. The real question is, does God know you? Because in Matthew 7, there's a very specific statement from God to people who think they know about God. And what does he say? I never knew you. Away from me. So Paul's not really... I don't really... I'm not really concerned with what you know or what you think you know. I'm concerned, does God know you and all your knowledge? And the, these Christians thought they were wiser than the apostles and the elders, and they're taking pride. And as a result, these young Christians who haven't yet fully formed the implications of the gospel see these knowledgeable Christians eating meat in the temples, and they think, I, I guess it's okay to do that. I'll, I'll go ahead and do it too. And when they do that, they're kind of perverting and going against their conscience. And so Paul said, Look what you're doing. You're just puffed up and you're not building up anyone. Because knowledge only puffs up. You've all seen this type of guy or heard this type of guy. I don't like it. You no, know, it's like, no matter what you say in a conversation, he knows something more than you No matter how you phrase it, oh, yeah, well, I was just like blah, blah, blah. And you, know, you and, and never walk away from the feeling like, that oh, was such a great conversation. You always walk away and say, man, that guy just thinks he knows it all. That girl thinks he knows it all. They always want to talk one off. They always want to talk, it. you know, you, you've been there, right? You never walk away feeling encouraged. You walk away feeling annoyed. And you walk away with, I don't want to interact with that person because that person just thinks they know everything. This is the air of superiority. similar to the situation going on. We're not, we're not out doing stuff and then causing people to sin because of our knowledge. But I, I do think there is a pursuit of knowledge that's dangerous. Right. If it doesn't yep. love, if it doesn't include love. Right. Knowledge in isolation can be dangerous. If you're a Christian, think about this. How many lessons from the Bible have you heard in your life? You know, an average year, if you, if you come to every church service, you probably hear close to 70. That's 52 weeks, that's 52 Sundays, we have midweek every other week, that's about 20, so put all that's about 70. So you're about 70 Bible lessons in a year, that's one year. So if you do that for 5 years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, 5 years, or at you're at least hearing 350 lessons from the Bible. Alright, you double that, 10 years, you're at least hearing 700 Lessons, fifteen years, fourteen hundred. On and on. You get the idea, right? So essentially, there's a the temptation or the danger that your head is just being inflated with a bunch of knowledge. Come on, And especially the older you get, the older I get, the more books. And that's not including all the the podcasts and all the YouTube uh, and all the and all the podcasts on Double Speed that you listen to and all that kind of stuff. You know, just filling up your head with all this kind of stuff. And even more dangerous for me, because I do this on a weekly basis where I research and I study and I blah, 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 blah. And I let me get up here and say what I know. Right. Who cares about that, Paul says? Does God know you? And is it building people up, or are you just puffing yourself up? To make, uh, it, come it, come on. It, Paul says, you put this group here, and God says the same thing. Those with knowledge only promote themselves. They don't care about other people. Christianity isn't about gaining more facts. Yeah. It's about gaining the facts, leading you to love yeah. people more deeply. Yep. I think it also is a challenge for us because none of us know it all. Yeah. I think when, when, you know, this group had thought they had arrived in some special knowledge. And, not, and I've had conversations with people who, who feel enlightened like they know church is supposed to go and how it's supposed to work. And, man, nobody knows it all. Yep. Nobody knows it all. And what you think you do, you better be careful. Yep. Yep. We, we all have to be humble. What we know is a drop. What we don't know is a flat out ocean. see it all. Yeah. So you think you know something, but you don't. Our goal is not to impress others, but right. I build others up. It doesn't mean knowledge is irrelevant or unimportant, because in 2 Peter it says make sure you grow in knowledge, but when you divorce it from love, you become a flat out hot air balloon. Oh, wow. And it doesn't encourage anyone. Yeah. In contrast, Paul will say that love builds up. And it's something constructive. And in this this scenario from chapter 8, they ask this question, and and Paul starts, you know, talking with them and including and saying, okay, well, let's talk about this and let me give you some principles. But at the very end, he kind of gives the conclusion. No, you shouldn't even meet." And he could have said that at the very beginning, actually. But what, what we realize is that God wants us to understand the gospel and still obey, but he wants us to understand the depth of it, and not just obey. Not let me just perform these obedience, these rules, these regulations, but let me understand why. Mm -hmm. Let me understand why I'm doing this, because I'm in Christ, because everything comes from God, and ultimately my behavior is affected because of that reason. Not just don't eat meat, Mm -hmm. or don't do this, or don't do that. Let me understand the full... Implications of the gospel. So, imagine this scene at Corinth. Right, you've got this group of Christians. Let's let's say they're sitting over here, on this side, and they're the ones that are going to the temple, eating meat, and they say we know it all. And this group, this group over here says, ah, we're not really sure if we could do that. And then someone comes to church, or someone, and they and, and then they see, they go out to eat with us, and they see this group go to the idol's temple, and this group go to I don't know where to go to eat, but they're like, Well, why aren't you all eating together? Well these some cases, and in many cases, that house, if someone buys it, they have kids, they'll hand it down to their kids, or it'll be sold to someone, and and, and, in some cases, they become houses to serve many generations. And so when a construction team comes together and builds a house, think about it, it actually provides a lot of benefit for a lot of people. And it would be kind of ludicrous for this guy in the photo here, the, the house builder, to just sit around and say, I really know how to build houses. You should see the houses I build. You should marvel at my knowledge, of how much I know how to build houses. But you never build really building something for the benefit of other people. And that's that's the message here. It's, it's all about loving other people. It's not about filling your head with facts and figures or becoming puffed up. It's about how you love other people. Yeah. Okay. For sure, loving people in today's world is being sensitive to people who don't have strong consciences yet. Mm -hmm. And Paul's not afraid to use this language. He's saying this is the first time he introduces it where someone has a weak conscience. Mm -hmm. Meaning they they really haven't understood the gospel fully and so it prevents them from having some kinds of freedom. And the goal isn't to, to leave them there, but to equip them to get stronger. But what's interesting is that he says we should adapt to them. Wow. The world does not function like that. Come on, bro. If you're on a sports team and you're not cutting it, the coach doesn't say, Get him out of it. We're all going to adapt to the guy who can't cut it. That- like, what? Yeah. No. this guy not? In it. That, that, that just doesn't work. In business, there's somebody not performing, and not producing, the, the boss doesn't say, come around and buddy, this guy's, his performance is lower than average, we're all going to to him. <laughs> That's not the way the world works. Yeah. Yeah. The gospel says, hey, you know what, someone hasn't fully gained full deep conviction, we'll adopt not to I don't know. That's like my book, you won't find this in the world. Yeah. yeah. If that's you're not it. a Christian, if you're looking for a true community that embraces you and learns to love, this is where it is. Come on. Come on, it's really learning to love people, not just push people aside because they don't share the same thoughts and convictions with you. I think it's very relevant that we have to learn how to love people who have different convictions and, and not force ours on other people, but really learn to love them and be patient with them. That, 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 that's not on YouTube videos, that's in the Gospel. Yeah. Of how he learned to do that. Mm. I do think another part of loving people is being frank with them. Yeah. And firm with them. Yeah. And forward with them. Come on, bro. And I believe, as I thought and meditate, I think our church isn't really falling into the category of let's pursue knowledge and let's you know become full of knowledge. And I do believe our church loves people and that's a great Blatant and it's clear and he's sitting, and we all know about it, but we, we we know what's going on, and we just love this guy, we want to keep him apart fellowship. Paul says, kick him out. That's not love. Yeah, that's arrogance. Yeah. And they say, Oh, but we love this guy. And here in this case, in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, they're like, who cares about what that guy thinks? Jesus also said some pretty firm and full of things to his disciples out of love. For their benefit. To build up the community. He ruffled their feathers. This is only a sampling of some of the things. You can't see it, unfortunate. But some of the things that Jesus said. Listen to this. In the boat, there's a storm. And Jesus is relaxing. And then he says, why are you so afraid do you still have no faith? And why you didn't have any before. You still have none. That's a great fellowship conversation after church. you still have no faith? Like, not, you can see the firmness of it by the reactions that would create. They wouldn't say it, Jesus, I have no faith. Peter. another great fellowship statement. That is, oh, yeah, I don't think we should do it. Get behind me, Satan. Like, these, are, these are statements that Roman feathers. When the disciples try to heal a boy and it's unsuccessful, he comes down the mountain and says, hey, what's all the commotion? Oh, we, we tried to heal this guy, It didn't work. And he says it to them and everybody. Jesus says, you unbelieving generation. And then he doesn't stop. How long shall I How long shall I put up it? That's like, ow, come on, Jesus. That's, oh, man, I was going to hard to kick out the demon. How long do I have to put up it? And then later, in the Gospel of John, he says some hard teachings, and they're all ruffled. is this a Benji? Is this a Benji too? And then Peter, he says, Lay down your life for me? Will you really? I tell you what, tonight you're going to disown me three times. Mm. And that's just a sampling. And of course Jesus builds up and loves and encourages and sacrifices, but he's also firm. And loving is firm. And loving helps people grow. It helps the entire (coughs) church. If you say something firm that needs to be said, to repent, it benefits them, and it benefits the entire church community. Yeah. Love builds up. Yeah. And I believe that this, this, is a, this is an area where we all have to reflect and say, am I loving people by telling them the truth? Brother's vote brother something. And I say it frankly and I say it strongly, but the real test is when I get in front of that brother, Not that it's John, but oh, I was yeah. happy to see John. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then the test is, am I going to be as strong as I was when I said what I said to my wife? Because you know We all kind of do that. We say things, and that's just kind of human nature. We say these things to other people, and then we get in front of like, um. Builds up, knowledge puffs up. As we conclude, the goal of this is not to just simply fill our head with a bunch of knowledge. Yeah. The goal isn't for us to know more facts. The goal is for us to know something, to love more. Yeah. The greatest commandments: love God, love people. Not know your Bible and know your Bible studies. Yeah. Although you should. Yeah. But it's learning to love, and the more you know, it should produce more yeah. love. And everything we do that affects another relationship, you should be sensitive to that. Will this build them up? Will this benefit them? Will this help my brothers and sisters? That's the primary motivation that God wants us to have. And let us become a community that builds each other up as we advance the gospel in Auckland and throughout New Zealand. Amen. Amen.